everybody. Welcome to another episode of Laguna Beach, the podcast. As always, it is your host, Kelly. I am so sorry that this podcast is late. Have you ever had one of those weeks where like everything just goes wrong? That's kind of how I feel this week. But I definitely want to get something out because last week there was a lot of drama in the Hills universe. And I just, you know, I really like recording the podcast. I'm sorry it's late. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. (laughs) But as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope that you guys have had a nice week. And you know what? Tomorrow's going to be Wednesday. Tomorrow will be Wednesday and tomorrow will be better. That is what I'm putting out into the universe. And the rest of the week's going to go fantastic. How about that? And I want to say I'm sorry if I sound a little different. Um, My mouth is kind of swollen because apparently out of nowhere, I am allergic to gum. Like all kinds of gum. Before it was Orbit, today I had Trident. And honestly, my mouth is so it's like pretty swollen so I'm sorry if there is a bit of like I don't know weirdness with my voice I'm gonna get right into the episode it is episode 18 season 3 of the hills and it's called when one door closes so watching this episode I don't know if this was some kind of like mid season and like almost end of the season teaser because it really acts more like a season finale than anything but I know there are more episodes after this one so it's kind of like I didn't take as many notes as I usually do just because I don't know I feel like there are just a lot of cliffhangers and the scenes kind of, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know, but there aren't as many notes, and I just want to let you know that. Like, there are some really cool things that happen in this episode, but near the end, it kind of like, I don't know, it just kind of stalls a little bit, and I feel like there must have been like a week or two break. You know how MTV or other shows like to do that? Or they used to like to do it. I don't know if they still do it, but I remember like One Tree Hill would take nine breaks a season, and it would always leave you on like a three-week cliffhanger. But again, this is episode 18, season three. It's called When One Door Closes, and I watch The Hills on Amazon Prime, but it's also on Hulu. Pluto, Pluto, oh my god, Pluto TV has a station, but I guess it's gone for the rest of the month. I don't really know, but I watch it on those on uh, Amazon Prime, like I said. So as always, it starts off with previously on The Hills, and then we get a Lauren voiceover, and Lauren says she is over Jason and enjoying being semi-single. And when she says semi-single, it shows her kissing Brody. She talks about her Heidi friendship and how it's totally Dunzo. She doesn't say Dunzo. She should say Dunzo, but she doesn't say Dunzo. She says that she's really happy with her and Audrina's friendship, and she feels really lucky that they get along so well and they're so close now that they're roommates. She also says that Heidi and Spencer have realized that being engaged is actually really hard. And then she goes, and I've worked really hard to impress Lisa after last time when I didn't go to Paris. That's some foreshadowing if I've ever heard some. But it ends with a quote that says, when you least expect it, everything can change. Ooh, what's going to happen? Also, I know that Lauren probably didn't come up with these quotes, but the way she delivered them, loved it to death. We start off in Lisa's office and Whitney is told by Lisa that this guy, Kimball, has exciting news for her. She's like, you know, Kimball, you remember Kimball? Well, we have exciting news for you. We're going to send you to Paris, is what Lisa says. And immediately, Whitney's like, again? You're going to send me to Paris again? And I'm kind of like, you didn't really go to Paris the first time, Whitney. (laughs) Like, do you know that? But you can kind of see the hesitation. It's almost like, oh my god, I have to say again, because I didn't go before, but I have to remember, like, I can't be as excited because it's my second time going to Paris, even though it's really probably my first time. But we find out that they're going to be hosting a ball in Paris. And it sounds like they say the crayon ball. I'm pretty sure it's not called the crayon ball. 
But there was no like next episode. I'm sure they'll t- they'll like have little subtitles to say exactly what ball it is. But it sounded like crayon ball. And Kimball ends up saying it's a mix of celebrity, children, and authentic aristocrats and royalty. So it's a big deal. These people are going to look great. And Lisa ends with, you'll have fun, but work hard. As Lisa always says, you know Lisa's always like sick of the girls because they just want to like go and have fun. She's always like, please just do your job, (laughs) please. But Whitney gets up and right before she leaves, she kind of turns around. She goes, is Lauren going to come? Sometimes Lisa can be a real savage. And in this moment, she is one because she goes, I think Lauren already had her chance to go to Paris. And Whitney just kind of like nods her head. She's like, okay. (laughs) Now we're at Bolt House. And I feel like this is the first scene in a while where Heidi's not just like having lunch with Stephanie or sitting in her apartment on the couch. But Heidi's making coffee and new Elodie. All right, all right, not new Elodie. Kimberly asks how she's doing. And Heidi talks about the huge fight about the wedding. She starts off, she's like, you know, I told his sister that, I mean, I I don't know about it. And all we do is fight. And then she told him that I was getting cold feet. And I just think we should focus on us, not the wedding. And Kimberly agrees. Kimberly's not as mean as Elodie is. <laughs> and I loved Elodie. I don't mean, I don't know. I guess that was kind of like a root. I don't know. But you guys know I love Elodie. I thought Elodie was very funny. But Kimberly is more like Team Heidi. Elodie was not Team Heidi at all. But she says, you fight, but you don't get to the root of everything. Kimberly wants to help Heidi in this. She wants to be Heidi's guidance. She's like, you guys fight, but you never get to the root of anything. It's all just fight, fight, fight. And Heidi quickly goes, I feel like I'm with a five-year-old. I gave everything up for him. Oh my God, she's starting to realize, guys. She's starting to realize that she gave up everything for Spencer Pratt. And then Heidi just like looks at Kimberly and she goes, I just need some breathing room. I mean, what kind of drama? And I have to say, these are the moments where it really does seem like it's a season finale. Like I said, it's not the season finale. But there are a lot of hints that it should have been. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if maybe they were like ready for this to be the season finale. And MTV was like, no, you got more episodes. And then they just kept filming. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. Now, the next scene, we see Lauren pulling up to Teen Vogue. And Lauren walks in and sees Whitney. And right away, Whitney's like awkward. Whitney has zero poker face. Whitney's like, I'm going to Paris again. Lauren's not allowed to go to Paris ever because she chose Jason over Paris. So I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> But I'm going to play an audio clip between the two girls in three, two, one. For what? For this crayon ball. Lisa and Kimball asked if I would go and help out. Are they sending anybody else? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Obviously, if I had my choice, I would want you there with me. Are you upset? I just shouldn't have passed the first time. The first time was all situational, though. You know, you can't take back those things. It's just like I tried to work really hard to show her, but... You're just disappointed that you... I'm just... When am I going to have a chance to go again? I know. Stupid Jason. It kind of, you can tell that Whitney does not want to have that conversation. And then like, I'm sure production was like, you're going to have to ask her more questions. So you better do it. And she's like, yeah, it's okay that you didn't go to Paris in the first place. But like, that was situational, right? (laughs) Like, she does not want to be a part of that conversation. But she did it. She killed it. And on a side note, Lauren looks like super pretty in this scene. She's wearing a royal blue top. And her hair looks fantastic. I mean, 
they all look pretty 98%. Actually, I'm going to go 99% of the time. That cast looks really pretty. But Lauren looked like extra pretty in that scene. And I said I would talk about fashion more, even though I don't know anything about fashion. But she's wearing a royal blue top and she looks really good. <laughs> now we are at a Steph and Spencer lunch. And what a nightmare of a lunch that would be. But he tells Stephanie that he walked out of another fight with Heidi and he went to mom and dad's house. He's like, I went to mom and dad's house. And she said, what did mom say? They called me an idiot. We then find out that Spencer hasn't even talked to Heidi since the fight. He's like, yeah, yeah, I haven't talked to her. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I haven't reached out to her at all. And then (laughs) what does Stephanie suggest? All right. So this kind of cracks me up. She's like, You got to send her an email or something. Yeah, yeah, send her an email. Don't like, don't send her a text. Do not send, don't call her. Whatever you do, do not call her. Email. And make sure the subject line is like, sorry, I walked out again. (laughs) But Spencer does look very sad. And actually during this scene, I think I realized how much Gunner favors Spencer. Because I always thought he looked more like Heidi. But I actually think he looks a lot like Stephanie and Spencer. And during this one scene, like in watching the camera go back and forth between Steph and um, Spencer, I really saw it. And I was like, okay, I do think Gunner's like a really cute kid. And this is kind of a side note, but it's actually making me really happy to see that he's starting to like talk a little bit more in their stories because Spencer did this podcast with Brad. Forget his last, I can't pronounce his last name. You know how I am with last names, but Brad Go, it's Brad G. I'll call him Brad G called Brad Behavior. And he mentioned that people will DM him and be like, Gunner's not talking. He's autistic. He's this, he's that. And like seeing Gunner starting to like try and speak a little more, he's sounding out words better. It just just makes me happy because like, don't go after people's kids. That's pretty fucked up. The next scene, we are at LC in Audrina's apartment. And Lauren is pouting on the couch, cutting up a magazine, much like I would do after a long day of fifth grade. But Audrina walks in. She's like, oh no, what's wrong? And she tells Audrina about the ball and how she wasn't invited. And Audrina, I feel like she really wants to be there for Lauren, but she just doesn't care, really. She's like, she wants to really be there and help her out as a friend. But she's also like, oh, you can't go to Paris. Like, I'm I'm dating Justin Bobby. I have it harder. But she goes, it seems like Lisa should have invited you. And then Lauren quickly says, why would they? They offered me an opportunity and I said, no, I didn't even deserve it at the time. And now I don't deserve it anymore. And then Audrina tries to be the supportive friend and she says, that sucks. I'm sorry. I guess what can you say in that situation, though? It's not like you can go yell at Lisa Love and be like, put Lauren on a plane to Paris. You just have to be like, yeah, that really sucks. Let's go get sushi and drink because that's (laughs) they love their sushi on the hills. I remember growing up, I was like, oh, my God, all Californians eat is sushi because of this show. And in Laguna, they eat sushi a lot, too. Now we are back at Bolt House and we see Spencer walking in and the admin kind of looks at him and she's like, hi, Spencer. And he's like, hey, is uh, is Heidi here? So she calls back and Heidi does not come out. Kimberly comes out. Kimberly is being a stand up work wife. Elodie would be like, um, yeah, she's here, but you're a piece of shit. So but Kimberly just walks out and she's like, she left for the day or night or what? Like Spencer's like for the night. Yeah, she probably left her work for the night. And Kimberly's like, I don't know, but if I were you, I'd call her. But but are you ready for a plot twist? Are you ready for it? I don't know if you're ready for it. Heidi is actually sitting in her office. She was just avoiding Spencer. Honestly, I think that was actually like really good. I remember when that happened originally and I was like, oh, 
oh my god they're not gonna make it and like how many however many years later they're still like together but in that moment I just remember I was like good for Heidi sticking up for herself she doesn't need him now we are back at Teen Vogue and Lauren is doing inventory and telling Whitney what to pack and the dramatics of this moment actually made me laugh out loud The conversation made me laugh out loud. All of it made me laugh. Lauren's like, you need to pack gloves. You need to pack coats, boots. It's cold over there right now. And Whitney goes, have you, have you ever, ever been this time of year? And Lauren like looks at her really quick. She goes, where? She goes, um, Paris. (laughs) And right away, Lauren goes, oh, I've never been. You know how sometimes Lauren gets like a little raspy voice when she's annoyed? She's like, no, I've never been. She does not sound like a smoker the way I just did it. But it was like a no, I've never been. Like all like angry and like bummed. But it's awkward. And Whitney starts writing down everything though. She like grabs a little notepad. She's like, gloves, hat, coat. (laughs) And Lauren's still like just going through inventory being like, what the fuck? But Lauren starts going like, there's something so hot about Paris, or French accents, not Paris accents, French accents. I don't know what it is, but... But when men speak in French accents, it's like they're singing a song. And then Whitney, this this kind of goes back to like what I talked about last week's podcast. Whitney goes, I don't know why accents are so attractive. And Lauren quickly goes, it's because they're different. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I read this thing and it was like, People think Boston has the hottest accents, and that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm from there. I don't think that accent is very sexy. And I mean just in the United States. As I said before, I think we can all agree Australians have the best accents, followed by Ireland. And then I really like an Indian accent. I really like that. I think those are my top three. I'm going to go, I'm going to go hard top three. Australian, Irish, Indian. That order. Finalize that. Okay. Anyway. Back to the back to the episode. Whitney gets a call from Lisa and she just goes, Lisa wants to see you in her office. And Lauren goes, both of us. She goes, I don't know. She said just you. So Whitney, that's when you say, no, she just said you. (laughs) Again, I think Whitney's really uncomfortable in this episode. I think you can visually see when Whitney is uncomfortable with something. And basically this whole episode, I don't know if she's trying to like keep it from Lauren that she's going to Paris or that she didn't know Lauren was going to Paris and she just felt awkward about the fact that she was going to Paris. So now I'm going to play an audio clip of Lauren and Lisa and it's actually funny because I feel like Lisa is always annoyed with Lauren. I feel like Lisa was a lot nicer to Whitney but when it came to Lauren she was just always mildly annoyed. Hi Lauren, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I just got off the phone with Ophini. She's the director of the fabulous ball that Whitney is going to. And Kimball is overwhelmed, so they needed some additional help. So we were going to Paris. I'm going to go to Paris. You will go with Kimball and Whitney and help Ophelia backstage. It is a bit of a fashion show because all the girls have to be presented, so they'll need your help. Thank you so much. And who's going to take you to the airport? Um, I'm always going to go with Whitney. She'll make sure you get on the plane. Lisa, do you think I wouldn't get on the plane this time? Well, I don't know. Last time you didn't go, so... You learned your lesson? Yes. Because it's my favorite city in the world. I know. I ran away from home when I was 15 to go to Paris. 15? Changed my life. Hopefully it'll change your life too. And it's just magical. It's just an incredible sophistication that you've never seen before. I think it'll be an incredibly inspiring trip for you. So when Lisa said that she ran away from home at 15, it reminded me that like Lisa Love has had a wild story. She basically got her start, well, after Paris, she moved to New York and was Andy Warhol's driver, 
And I'm going to look into Lisa Love's story a little bit more so we can dig into that because that woman has lived some lives. I have reached out to her for her to come on the podcast. Haven't heard back, but let's put some good vibes out there. I would love to have Lisa Love on. She has the most soothing voice too. You guys, I know that's, is that weird that I'm like very into Lisa Love's voice? I just want her to like read every book to me so I could fall asleep to it. Anyway, I'm not going to keep talking about Lisa Love. No, I am about to talk about Lisa Love again because the fact that she said, you'll go to the airport with Whitney. Like, okay, Savage. She's like, who's going to bring you? And Lauren's like, oh, I'll just, she's like, no, you're going to go with Whitney to make sure you get on the fucking plane, Lauren. (laughs) But Lauren like walks back to the closet, the fashion closet, and she's all excited and tells Whitney the good news. And they're both really excited. Whitney's, Whitney probably knew. Whitney had an idea because like I said, she was acting really awkward. But Whitney's like pumped that Lauren is going to be going with her. Could you imagine though, if Lauren was like really dating Brody and she's like, I don't know, I have to ask my boyfriend. (laughs) Speaking of, Lauren and Brody were about to go on a dinner date with them. And of course, they walk in and the first thing Brody says, I would uh, pull out your chair, but it looks like uh, pretty fixated in there. And Lauren's like, yeah, it's pretty stationary. Brody also has a buzz cut this scene. And honestly, Brody with a buzz cut is not my favorite look for Brody. I don't know what it is. I'm not into guys with shaved heads. I like when Brody has his like little bit of hair, a little bit more than a little bit of hair, I guess, but not his hairstyle that he's rocking now. That's pretty long for me. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I like that like middle one where he kind of looks like a Sim character. That's the that's the Brody Jenner haircut I like. But Lauren drops the Paris news and he goes, I'm sad you're leaving, but it's okay. And they start and she goes, why are you sad I'm leaving? There are plenty of single people in LA to hang out with. And he goes, there's plenty of single people in Paris you can hang out with. Like it's just very back and forth. And rewatching it, they both just seem annoyed with one another. Like I don't even think they're, they have chemistry in this scene. They just seem like they don't want to do this scene. But Brody's like, what do you really want a boyfriend or something? And then he backtracks immediately and he's like I've been in really bad relationships that's why I'm nervous about getting in another relationship and Lauren quickly goes no one's had the best relationships in the past that's why they end if that wasn't my fucking AIM away message what was like that had to have been an AIM away message at one point but it kind of gets like awkward and tense and again like last episode there's a lot of weird looking at one another and just like annoying tension they don't even seem like it's not even sexual tension it's like they're annoyed with one another but it seems like Lauren is over Brody's fuckboy ways we are back at our favorite apartment the spidey apartment where so many scenes have happened the past couple days i mean couple episodes sorry but heidi is packing and spencer finally comes home and heidi says she's going home to colorado for a little bit she goes i'm i'm gonna give you space and he goes i last thing i need is space i don't need space and then heidi says she just needs to go home and spencer responds to that by saying I'm going to assume that means the wedding isn't happening anytime soon. And Heidi's response is just, it's not working. I need space. And then Spencer leaves again. But I think that the this like Heidi was my favorite version of Heidi. She seemed to really stick up for herself. And of course that like these fights were likely fake between them. And she probably didn't really go to Colorado for a bunch of days. But I really liked Heidi standing up for herself. Because even like season one when she would you know, tell Lauren stuff, Lauren would kind of shit on her and Heidi would just take it. But in this season, in these couple last couple episodes, she really like sticks up for herself, especially against Spencer, who we already did not like. He was already the villain. And we were kind of like, oh, my God, Heidi's going to leave Spencer. And then Lauren and Heidi are going to be best friends again. And it'll be awesome. And we're so excited. So Lauren is now packing for Paris and she's trying to speak French. She's saying like, bonjour. 
Je m'appelle. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm. I did not take French in high school. I took Spanish. Still can't speak that well either. But her and Audrina are kind kind of going back and forth. And Audrina reminds her about her passport. She's like, "Don't forget your passport." And Lauren's like, oh my God, I almost did. Oh my God, could you imagine if I forgot my passport? But after the passport thing, Lauren's out. Lauren picks up her suitcase and she walks out. Actually, really quick before that moment, Audrina's like, did you pack enough? And she's like, Whitney always overpacks. Like, well, I'll just share her clothes. But then I kind of thought about the height difference. And I've never really been able to like share clothes with my friends. I've already always been a little bit bigger than them. But wouldn't the height difference like mess with you? I don't know. I was thinking that because like Whitney seems to be about 5'9 and I think Lauren's about 5'6. So Whitney probably needs long jeans. So it's not like Lauren could borrow jeans. I guess she could probably borrow a top or something if she really wanted to. Anyway, we see Brody hanging out outside the car that's going to be taking Lauren to the airport. He, he's like weird about putting bags in the trunk. He's like, you sure you want me to close this? You sure, you sure you, you sure you're ready to go? I don't know if I want you to go. I'm going to miss you, but please don't go. It's really, oh, fucking Brody cornball. But they hug goodbye and then they kiss goodbye right on the lips. So maybe there is some hope for these, these two crazy kids after all. But the car pulls away and Brody longingly watches as she drives away. And this is the moment where I think the hills became really fake. I think it's this episode because this moment where like, you know, like Lauren's going to Paris, she's in a car, the, Brody's watching it drive away. That is almost the exact same way as the series finale of The Hills. It reminds me of how Kristen said she's going to move to Paris, Brody's sad, and then as Kristen's driving away, like the backdrop falls, it's all fake, whatever. But I feel like this moment is what like the moment where it's like, okay, we're going to be fake. And then the Hills finale is bringing us back to this moment. Okay. I don't even know if I took a breath right there. But during this time, like we see Lauren getting in the back of the car driving. We see Heidi getting into a convertible driving away from the apartment. And then we see Whitney actually getting in the car with Lauren. And like, while everyone's leaving and going to do their own thing, we see Audrina sitting in the apartment reading a magazine. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but it's a really well done montage the girls get to the airport and Spencer's like alone in the apartment and Heidi's driving away on the highway. She's driving to Colorado. She's not taking a plane. She's serious about this. And like I said, it's just such a good montage and it ends with Heidi driving on the highway and then the girls flying to Paris. So it does seem like a season finale. It isn't. I'm telling you that now. I keep I keep like repeating that. Sorry if it's getting annoying. But the way this episode ends, you would think that there were like no more episodes for this season. Luckily, there are. And um, the Paris episode is really, really good. Um, so one of the producers was on Lauren's podcast and kind of gave some some backstory about it. So I actually know a little bit more about that episode. But that is the episode of The Hills, season three, episode 18. And like I said, I think this was the episode where things got real fake, unfortunately. Now let's get into some of this drama between Lauren Conrad and James Charles. So if you followed the page at all, at least within the last week, you know James Charles received a PR kit from Lauren with her makeup. Well, they were empty tubes of makeup, but still he was on her PR list, okay? So I'm going to say if I was sent a PR kit full of empty makeup stuff, I would be like, what the fuck, too? But as usual, James decided to take it a little bit further. And he said that Lauren did not even deserve to have a makeup line and then went on a spiral about how it was empty. Again, I actually do understand him being annoyed with empty stuff. 
But like, just take a deep breath. Like I do understand being annoyed, but also take a breath. So what happened? Apparently Lauren reached out to him and explained that she put together a kit that had empties to make sure everything fit the way she wanted it to, but she actually sent it out by accident. And James did what he does best. He put up a half-assed apology saying he meant to be funny when it was actually mean. Like, I guess sometimes I just wish people would own up to being an asshole. Just say like, listen, I was pissed and I came off like an asshole and I'm sorry about that. I was upset, but I talked to Lauren and we've moved on. That's all he needed to say. It's I, I really would have appreciated it better if he was just like, you know what? I said this two weeks ago about Alicia Keys and I'm a real asshole, but I'm going to try and be better. Now, James Charles fans tried to go after Lauren, but she had some of the best responses. Someone was like, did you really send James empty plastic? And she goes, absolutely not. It was empty sugarcane bioresin. Hysterical. We love a funny, relatable queen. <laughs> I don't know. Now, as always, I have my own thoughts on this, as I do. You know, I always have thoughts on things. But you guys know I think Kristen is one of, like, the queens of PR, getting her name out there, staying in magazines for such a long time. And I kind of wonder if Lauren took a page out of Kristen's book. I find it pretty interesting that the one empty box was sent to the one person who would definitely blow it up and out of proportion. All I can say is like, Lauren, I see you, I respect you, and I don't wear makeup, but I'd honestly die for an empty PR box. So if you want to like send out another empty one, I'll take it. But no, I definitely think there was a reason why James Charles was the one who ended up with the one empty PR box. And, and I see it, I respect it. Now, during all this James Charles, Lauren Conrad drama, Another thing happened. Sheena, Sheena Shea from Vanderpump Rules, admitted to having a thruple with John Mayer and Stacey Adams. Yes, Stacey the bartender from the hills. It was all over Us Weekly and then on the Bravo pages on Instagram, of course. But Sheena from Vanderpump Rules, who also had some cameos on the hills, was on a podcast and said that her and John Mayer were hooking up and basically had Stacey Adams involved as well. They were like, we invited her in. It was great. And right when I heard that, I was like, okay, what the fuck? Like, I know Sheena and... Stacey, your best friends. I did not see John Mayer falling into like any kind of thing with Sheena Shay. But Sheena said that she ended up actually ending things with John because he liked Stacey more than her and she was getting jealous. And it reminded me of an interview that Kristen Cavallari, I love how I have to, I just said like Kristen Cavallari, like obviously if I'm saying Kristen, it's Kristen Cavallari. But anyway, it reminded me of an interview with Kristen and Ryan Seacrest. And it was something about how like John Mayer asked her out, but she didn't want to be another notch in his belt. And then she was like, plus he dated one of my friends. I can't do that. So that friend is Stacey Adams. And it's funny, a lot of people are like, I actually really liked bartender Stacy, and like, I don't really remember her that much. I remember one scene where Spencer gets into a fist fight. But other than that moment, I really do not remember her much. So I'm excited to revisit her as a character. Another fun thing that happened is Jay Cutler is back on Instagram and he has some amazing content. He bought some mini cows and I don't know. I think they're mini cows. I don't really know what they are. But he's also always cooking. He did some archery stuff. I mean, he's just doing Jay Cutler things. But a lot of people are asking me if I think he's doing cooking to compete with Kristen. I don't know. I mean, I think it's funny. But like, it's, I don't know. It's like if he comes out with a cookbook called Cutler Cooks or something, I bet it would be a hit. But personally, I think without the whole like who is killing the chickens thing he wasn't really sure what to share sharing what he cooks is like personal enough but not so personal that it really interferes with his life it seems like the divorce between jay and Kristen has settled down a bit at least like publicly and i think we need a cook-off i think i will be the taste tester for this cook-off and i will decide 
who wins. Honestly, though, I'm still thinking about those like salmon fish sticks that he made and I'm about that life. But I think Jay's funny. I'm glad Jay's back on Instagram. I love that it's just like weird. It's just cooking content. It's almost like, so he lives like way out in Leaper's Fork, like past, or I guess it's still Frank. It's like a part of Franklin. But anyway, you know, he's just back there and he's like, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do? I am going to cook and I'm going to put it on my story and people are going to love it. And also, I really like the cows. I hope we get more cow content. He said he bought them because of a show Yellowstone. And then like everyone I follow is obsessed with the show Yellowstone. So I might have to give this show a chance. I know it is a lot of cowboys, but I might as well might as well try it. So are you ready for this Hills reboot update? I don't know if you are. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of bizarre. <laughs> That's all I could say. But I still think that they are canceling the Hills. And I think they're putting out like fake stories as feelers to see if people still want to even watch it. But right now, apparently the production company is thinking about making them all live in a house like real world style. They want them all to live in a real world house, basically like Jersey Shore. And honestly, I wish they did that like 10 years ago. That would have been amazing. Could you imagine like Spencer and Lauren living in the same house? Like that would have been some crazy shit. Justin Bobby there with Audrina. What a mess. But right now, I just, I don't see how they could do it. I mean, they all have lives outside of the show. Some have kids. And I can't imagine Brody wanting to like live in a house with four toddlers when he's dating like an 18 year old. He's like, I can't handle all these children. And I also can't imagine like Brandon Lee wanting to do it. And can you imagine Justin Bobby? Spidey would be like, Justin, can you watch Gunner for the night? And he'd be like, yeah, (laughs) just maybe I do want it. Now that I've said all those things, maybe I do want to see that. But I don't know. I think that they're just putting out feeler stories to see if people are even interested in the show anymore. And I don't I don't think that throwing them all in the same house would make it any more interesting. Maybe if it was like a sister wife situation, I, I haven't watched that show in years, but they all lived in Las Vegas and lived on like a cul-de-sac. Maybe, maybe have that. Maybe have them all li- like share a cul-de-sac. That would be interesting. So as always, I put up a something and like, I want to give advice again. <laughs> I want to give like my unsolicited advice corner. And somebody asked me about leaving a toxic work environment. And I've talked about my work here on this before. But honestly, all I can tell you is document everything. Say, cover your own ass because that is what you're going to have to do, basically. And I think whether it's a boss, whether it's a coworker, whether whatever, if you can have, you know, a case for harassment, just make sure everything's documented. Make sure that you've tried to go to HR. Make sure that you've tried to use different outlets to talk to people in like try and I don't know I'm trying it's it's hard though it's hard when you're in a toxic workplace and you want to get out because that's all you can think of while you're there you're like I'm ready to leave I'm ready to go I fucking hate this place I don't like my boss I don't like my coworkers. whatever the case may be and honestly I would say quit but I feel like the job market's gonna be really tough right now but I mean sometimes you have to put your own mental health over anything. And I know not a lot of people can do that because paychecks are important. But I also know in some states that if you leave because of a toxic work environment, you can still you can get unemployment that way. So that's something you can you can look into as well. But all I can say is document, document, document. Oh, I meant to do one more pop culture thing before I got into that. But anyway, I'm I'm going to get into the pop culture thing real quick. Netflix canceled this show, The Society, and I fucking love that show, and I'm really upset that it got canceled. Um, There were a lot of really big cliffhangers on the show, and all I can say is, like, Netflix, please bring The Society back. We deserve it. As a society, we deserve to be able to watch The Society and find out everything that you're not telling us because the cliffhangers are gonna fuck with me for the rest of my life. All right, back to the unsolicited advice corner. So one thing I am is I am the friend who always makes plans. 
very rarely do people reach out to me to make plans and that's okay and I feel like I've I mean it used to really bother me I used to hate it but I also think I have made myself that friend who makes plans so maybe my friends aren't like oh maybe I don't know I feel like my friends think I'm free if I ask them to do something but if I don't then they don't think I'm free but honestly I think when it comes to your friendships always be honest always be open always talk about stuff because relationships are hard whether it's a romantic relationship a friendship a family relationship whatever the case may be it's tough and you need to be able to talk to them about it and a lot of friends will be like oh I didn't even realize I did that So my advice is to talk to your friends, let them know what's upsetting you, and if they call you dramatic, say, I'm not being dramatic, you guys just don't reach out to me. Another person asked me about, like, my favorite way to relieve stress, and I'm working on it, guys. I mean, I feel like lately I've been drinking too much, way too much, and I'm glad that I'm, like, catching myself early, because there are moments where I just spiral, and, like, I really drink way too much, and, like, when I do drink too much, I binge drink, and the past, like, two or three weekends, I've done that. So I'm going to try and just be honest with myself and do something else to like unwind. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a few drinks or whatever, but I've been doing it way too much, way too overboard. And I just want to say that out there to like keep myself honest. But I think what I need to do is like find shows I really like and really watch them because I just I I haven't been into shows lately and maybe even watching the last like two seasons of Grey's that I missed because I really liked Grey's Anatomy so maybe maybe I'll just start doing something like that I've also been trying to do like walks during lunch just to get out of the office get my mind off the bullshit that's going on and just kind of like get a little healthier at least I've been doing a diet and I feel better but yeah I've definitely been drinking too much I definitely try to drink to release stress in my life and yeah so I'm gonna say that I um to de-stress I'm gonna start walking more I'm gonna really take my time and like think about stuff and work through stuff um I want to get back into therapy but I don't know with COVID if it's weird to try and get into therapy right now but I'll figure it out. But yeah, I just I sometimes I say things to like keep myself honest on this podcast. And that was one of those moments where it's like a I call it a dear diary moment because it is important to catch yourself when you see yourself kind of slipping. All right, everybody. So this is a moment I've been waiting for so I can turn everybody into a Backstreet Boys fan. <laughs> so right now I'm going to do Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. And I'm sure by now you've seen or at least heard of verses on Instagram I know that Snoop Dogg and DMX did one, Ludacris and Nelly, and I know that Brandy and Monica are setting one up. I'm not sure if they've done it yet. I don't think so, but I know it's in the works. But let's talk about the one verses that we all need. Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. We need it. We need it now. We needed it yesterday. We needed it 10 years ago. But let's be real. They both ruled the charts in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I mean, I used to get in fights on the playground about how Backstreet Boys came first and therefore they were better. I mean, like really fights. My best friend Devin was more of an in-sinker. And it was hard to keep a friendship because I'm a psychopath, but we were able to do it. We're still friends to this day. Anyway, let's talk about these two bands. Um, You all know that I love Backstreet Boys. I've seen them live 13 times, and I'll see them live until they are going around the stage using walkers and wheelchairs. I will see them forever. Now, I'm going to try and not be biased. Um, Try being the key word. I don't want this to be just me like telling you why NSYNC is the less superior band because I do think NSYNC is iconic as well. I just don't think they're as iconic as my first loves. And I will say this, there is a big difference between the two bands. You may look at them and be like, oh, they're like 
five guys who sing, dance. They're they're the same bands. They're not. Backstreet Boys are vocalists. They have a harmony. They can put on a good show, but at the end of the day, they are a vocal harmony group. They have a very specific sound that the five of them create together. Okay, the difference is that NSYNC are performers. You can put Justin Timberlake and J.C. Chazé with literally any men, like any, I don't know why I said men, any three random people, and they'd sound the exact same. NSYNC could dance their asses off, and it was just Justin and J.C. Like, I don't, I know Chris Kirkpatrick sang a little, but I feel like you never heard them. So again, Backstreet Boys, they're a vocal harmony group. In sync, they're straight performers. And I also want to say that both bands have a ton of bops, but they also have flops. If you try and tell me that God must have spent a little more time on you as a bop, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And that being said, I don't like The One by Backstreet Boys. I know a lot of people love it. They say it's one of their favorite singles, but I wouldn't put it in a bop category. I just wouldn't. There, I said it. But let's get down to it, though. Each band was created by Lou Pearlman, a businessman, who absolutely robbed both bands of tons of money, and he also had a lot of, like, questionable allegations against him. If you haven't watched the Backstreet Boy documentary, Show Show Them What You're Made Of, I believe it's on Amazon Prime right now. It used to be on Netflix. Highly recommended. It's from, like, 2015, but it is fantastic. And they go into all the stuff that Lou did. And also Lance Bass did a documentary called Boy Band Con. And you can watch that on YouTube. Highly recommend it. Aaron Carter's on that one. It's a little fucking nuts. But highly recommend you watch it. Um, it's for free on YouTube. Okay, back to NSYNC first Backstreet Boys. So Lou said that he created NSYNC so Backstreet Boys had competition. He kind of compared it to Pepsi and Coke. And I understand that. I mean... He needed competition so people would want to either root for Backstreet Backstreet Boys. I say Backstreet because I say it quick. I'm sorry. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. But let's talk about who outsold. The Backstreet Boys, they have also been a lot around a lot longer than NSYNC, so that makes sense. But Backstreet Boys are still selling albums, still touring, and still relevant. I put like a question mark because I don't know how many people think they're relevant, but I do. I still think like NSYNC is relevant. So, but overall, the Backstreet Boys have sold 100 million albums, over 100 million albums. And as of 2018, NSYNC had had sold 28.8 million albums. During NSYNC's time, they released three albums and had 18 singles on the radio. Backstreet Boys have had nine studio albums and 29 singles. According to Billboard, the biggest Backstreet Boys songs are Everybody, I Want It That Way, Quit Playing Games With My Heart, Larger Than Life, The Call, Show Me The Meaning Of Being Lonely, All I Have To Give, Shape Of My Heart, Incomplete, and More Than That. And I think you could probably sing the words to all of those songs because, again, they're catchy. They're good. They have these great voices. They harmonize. They are, they have soul. <laughs> now let's talk about NSYNC. According to Billboard, the top NSYNC songs are It's Gonna Be Me, This I Promise You, I Want You Back, Gone, Bye Bye Bye, God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You, Girlfriend, Pop and Tearing Up My Heart. Now listen, guys, I understand that this is based on preference. Do you want singing? Do you want soul? Do you want to be in your feels? Or do you want people to just jump around and keep you entertained? Do you want a performance? 
Do you want a band that only has two lead singers? Or do you want a band that has three lead singers? Also, I looked on Twitter and someone said that all you need to have is JC hit a high note and that's how NSYNC wins. You know what? I love JC. I think he was the best singer of the whole group. I think he was the best, you know, I think he's a better singer than JT by far. JT just had that X factor and Pharrell behind him and Timbaland behind him. But we all know that I think JC is by far the superior vocalist. But let's be clear. Not only do Backstreet Boys have Brian and Nick, they also have AJ. In my opinion, as much as I love Brian... AJ is the best vocalist out of either band. AJ can outsing anybody. And I think we don't give AJ the respect he deserves as a boy band member. We see him as the bad boy, the one who went to rehab, the one who's like a really good dancer and is about to go on Dancing with the Stars. And I'm like, wait, you're the best dancer out of Backstreet Boys. Why? Why are you doing this? Anyway, AJ would outsing JC without even trying. I'm getting really angry in my living room by myself. <laughs> I hope you can feel my passion. But yeah, I mean, Backstreet Boys, they've had a lot more time together than NSYNC had. I think that NSYNC, in the early 2000s, I they were probably their superior band. I think that they sold a lot more albums. But I also think that overall, Backstreet Boys had the better songs, better voices, not better dancers. NSYNC could take, you know, better dancing 100%. But I think that they, like I said, Backstreet Boys have more... Hits under their belt. Now, I'm not going to take away from NSYNC's talent. I understand why people like NSYNC. But I hope this was helpful. And I hope that you join me on the right side of history. Hashtag Team BSB. Wow, my eight-year-old self was so ready to do this. Um, no, but but I really suggest you watch like Boy Band Con and um, show them what you're made of on uh, the Backstreet Boys documentary. Because it's really interesting to hear the Backstreet Boys talk about how Lou Pearlman wouldn't tell them that he was creating NSYNC and they didn't know about it until they saw like a demo reel of NSYNC and I think they were performing like Tearing Up My Heart or something and the only reason why NSYNC got the Disney Channel like live from Orlando that kind of like blew them up was because the Backstreet Boys turned it down because Brian had his heart surgery and he like couldn't like (laughs) perform because he had fucking open heart surgery at 24. But I digress. I hope that you can see the light. (laughs) It's funny. There was actually a um, a review on the podcast that was like, stop being so condescending. And I'm like, I'm not condescending. And then I just said something like that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm trying to be funny. It's called humor. (laughs) Promise. Oh, all right. Well, I'm sorry that this podcast was late. I hope you enjoyed the podcast last week with Cara Maria. I really enjoyed it. I thought she was way more open than I expected. So that was awesome. Hopefully we're going to get some more, you know, reality TV people on. I also have a special guest coming on in two weeks. Um, I don't want to give it away just yet, but she has her own podcast. That's pretty popular. I follow her. I know that a lot of you guys, I've seen you like comment on her stuff. So I'm pretty sure you guys follow her as well. She loves Taylor Swift. I'm trying to like give hints without giving it away. She loves Taylor Swift. She's very into early 2000s pop culture. She's very well spoken. I'm kind of afraid I'm going to sound like a dumbass talking to her. But again, that's my own insecurity, right? I think that's something that I need to get over. Obviously, that's something I need to get over. But um, I really like her. And she has a great podcast and I'm going to probably tell you in like a week or but I hope you all have an awesome rest of your week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for accepting that this was late because like I said, it's been a fucking week. It's been it's been quite a week. 
And let's just fingers crossed for the rest of the week to just like be chill and relaxed. And also random. Okay. Dorinda is quitting Real Housewives of New York. Dorinda is leaving the Real Housewives of New York when I finally start to watch. Like what the fuck? I love Dorinda. Dorinda's mean. I will say Dorinda is mean, but I think she's very funny. But again, thank you guys for listening. Please tell your friends to listen, um, like, review, rate, subscribe, and just have an awesome rest of your week. Bye.